Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. Today we're talking about Angel's Blood by Nalini Singh. We had originally planned to talk about Days of Blood and Starlight by Lainey Taylor uh, this week, but uh, we both had had rough weeks and ended up not reading that book. So we chose something that was a little bit lighter. And so we have Angel's Blood now. Um, I will introduce our characters and location and Vicki will talk about our plot. So let's start with our main character. Her name is Elena Devereaux and she is a vampire hunter with white blonde hair. As a vampire hunter, she was born with special abilities that allow her to track vampires and other creatures by their smell, which makes her exceptional at her job. Her best friends are Sarah, who is the director of the guild that Elena works for, and Ransom, a fellow vampire hunter. Raphael is our male main character. He is an archangel who governs New York and the surrounding areas. He makes up one of the cadre of 10 archangels who are the leaders among their kind, overseeing various parts of the world. As an archangel, Raphael has incredible strength, super healing healing abilities, and enormous power. He has a trusted team of seven, three vampires, and four angels who help support and protect him in his holdings as needed. Uh, this includes Dimitri, who's a vampire and his second in command, and Ilium, an angel that Elena dubs Bluebell for his trademark blue, blue wings. Urim, I guess that's how you say that, is our bad guy and an example of what happens when archangels get too power hungry. They become bloodborne and go on a slaughtering spree in an attempt to gain absolute power. He dated a fellow archangel, Michaela, who is beautiful but hateful, obviously, and is now under threat from him. This story takes place in New York, in New York City, specifically uh, in Manhattan most of the time. Vicki, you want to pick up with our plot? I do. All right. So our book opens with Elena, a vampire hunter, waiting for her moment to capture the vampire she has been assigned to. In this universe, vampires are made by angels, and after they are made, they have to spend 100 years in contract with the angel. However, the angels can be cruel, and many vampires try to escape. It is her job to capture these vampires and return them to their owners. She is one of the best, if not the best, vampire hunter working in the guild. She does an excellent job of catching this vampire, puts a necklet on it that paralyzes the vampire, and takes him to the drop-off point. While she is there, she is told that in order to get her next assignment, she must meet with the Archangel Raphael. Raphael is the Archangel that rules over the Northwest Territory, including Manhattan. There are 10 Archangels who rule over different parts of the world. Raphael is one of the most powerful and has a group of friends known as the Seven who are very loyal to him and very powerful. Elena herself is not a big fan of angels, although she does envy their ability to fly. So she meets him on the roof of his building to have breakfast. She notices that he is very pretty and he knows it and messes with her mind a bit, which she does not appreciate. And so she really pushes back and kind of pushes her luck with him with how she speaks with him. 
he kind of goes back and forth from being amused to looking like he wants to kill her. So she's stressed at the situation. When she asks him what this is about, he tells her that he needs needs her to find a missing archangel, Urim. Uh, apparently, this archangel has gone crazy, killed his staff, and his blood is poison. So he is a big risk to the community. She doesn't actually have a choice on whether or not to accept, so Raphael tells her they will be in touch. Naturally, he shows up outside of her window, and after a conversation where he realizes that she's kind of judgy about vampires and those who sleep with them, he flies her to meet his friend Dimitri, who is a very old vampire and also incredibly powerful and kind of kinky. He is having a cocktail party, and Raphael is kind of like, see, vamps are cool, and those who sleep with them are consenting. Raphael then propositions Elena, but she shuts that down pretty quickly. So he takes her to his office and informs her that Urim has been spotted in the city. He also reveals an, an angel secret to Elena that some, some angels are able to glamour themselves so that they're invisible and cannot be seen. Elena is surprised to learn this, but also realizes that the fact he is telling her some secrets means he does not plan to keep her alive after this hunt is over. That night, she finds a diamond rose waiting for her from Raphael in her apartment. Despite it being priceless and gorgeous, she knows she cannot keep it. She goes to give it back to him and finds herself alone with him in his office. Before she completely realizes what is happening, she finds herself kissing Raphael. She soon realizes that he used his power to force her to kiss him. This infuriates her because no one wants someone messing in their head like that, and she hits Raphael. He lets her get a few hits in before stopping her, sending her out and telling his vampire friend Dimitri to follow her and make sure she is safe. Raphael himself is freaked out because he lost control and did not consciously mean to make her kiss him. He is concerned that this is a sign that he is degenerating and contacts the only other angel he thinks can help him, Lejuan. Lejuan tells him that if he continues to spend time with Elena, she will make him mortal and he must kill her. Raphael's not okay with this though. Meanwhile, Dimitri and Elena are arguing and Dimitri threatens Elena. She is not in the mood for this because she just had her mind messed with, so she slits his throat. This doesn't quite have the effect she was hoping for because Dimitri seems to get off on it. They end up in a chase through Manhattan, which gets caught on video. She does manage to escape by calling on another guild hunter and they go back to the guild. Her best friend and the director of the guild, Sarah, tells her to lay low in the cellars while she takes care of PR and Dimitri. Raphael had spent a significant amount of energy magically calling on the other archangel, which put him into something called the quiet. When angels enter the quiet, they tend to be rather brutal and cold. So Raphael is now looking for Elena. He goes to Sarah's house and uses his power to make her tell him where Elena is. Elena knows that Raphael will destroy everything and everyone to get to her. So she leaves the guild, takes a gun designed to shred an angel's wing and goes to wait at her apartment. Raphael shows up and she tries to talk to him, but he threatens her, frightens her, and ultimately she ends up shooting his wing. However, he won't stop bleeding and she freaks out, calls Dimitri, who takes Elena prisoner, and they go back to the tower. Dimitri ties Elena up while Raphael goes into a special angel coma so he can heal. Despite her better judgment, Elena is worried about Raphael and feels horrible. Dimitri taunts her and says he can't wait to see what Raphael does to her for shooting him. But everyone is surprised when Raphael does not punish her. Instead, he ends up telling her that they have a lead on Urim. A bunch of humans were horribly murdered in a warehouse. Urim drank from some of them like a vampire and also strung some up just for fun. It's awful. 
However, Elena is able to get his scent off of one of the bodies and she starts to track him. Unfortunately, she loses the trail where he flew away. Raphael is now concerned for Elena's safety and decides that she needs to stay with him. Also, her apartment is trashed after her fight with him anyway. He introduces her to Michaela, who is another archangel. She's a jerk, but was Urim's lover for decades, and he seems to be stalking her. He sent her a nice collection of bloody hearts. Elena tells them that it seems Urim is devolving rapidly and that they need to watch Michaela because he will definitely show up again. They get word of more dead bodies, and Elena is able to pick up Urim's scent again, and it is much stronger. Unfortunately, it rains, which washes away all scent trails. They soon get another lead, though, when Elena's father calls her to let her know that Urim has killed his mistress and the body is still fresh. She is able to track him to Michaela's house, and there is a big fight between Urim and Raphael. Urim ends up getting away. Raphael is incredibly frustrated, and he is now also worried for Elena's safety since Urim threatened her. He sends one of his seven, Ilium, to watch over her while he takes care of some archangel business. He learns that the oldest archangel, Lejuan, has started raising the dead, so he also has that to deal with now. He tries checking in using his mental link to Ilium and Elena, but can't get anything from Ilium, and Elena is clearly hurt and in pain. It appears she has been caught by Urim. So, what happens? What does Raphael do? Spoilers ahead. So, is this a second read for you or a third read? This is a second. It was my second read too. I forgot how good this book was. I have a funny story to tell. Okay. Alrighty. I read this book and I think I read the second or third one and I told you about it. There's a freaking ton of books in this series, friends. So I told Vicky about it and I said, these books are so good. And so she went and bought all of them. <laughs> Had not even read one of them and bought them all. <laughs> and then got to the fourth one which is a reincarnation story and stopped and did not read another one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I might read them. <laughs> I mean, now that you know about that fourth one, you can just pick up and carry on and skip it if you chose to read them again. Yes, I think I'd skip like all of the ones that aren't Elena and Raphael. My first yeah. round because some of the other characters I'm not a huge fan of. But I'm interested in Jason, the spy master who has like pitch black wings. Yeah, and a face tattoo. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten about the face tattoo. The face mm -hmm. tattoo. I feel like with authors, it gets a little bit risky sometimes when you start a series kind of like this and you know what's going to have a lot of books in it and you start devoting books to other characters, right? Yes. So Sarah J. Mass is kind of doing that with the A guitar books. Mm -hmm. um, I love the side characters in that series, but I'm really there for Feyre and Reese, right? Yes, I could I could read a story about them going grocery stop grocery shopping like it doesn't have to be, you know, this big like let's do a, a murder mystery with Farah and Reese like I don't care what it is, I would rather read their story. And just have these side characters and whatever it is that they're also doing. Then devote like Elaine 
I do not care about her. I did have really strong feelings about Cassian because he's my sweet cinnamon roll. Um, and I still feel like he got done dirty in Silver Flames and his character didn't develop a whole, as much as I wanted it to. And he just kind of turned into a sex toy. Um, so I feel like you really have to make me invest in the side characters if you're going to devote a series like other books in your series to those characters. Yes. Somebody who I feel does a pretty good job of this, Amelia Hudgens, with her yes, Chronicles. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she did such a good job of weaving her side characters into the main body of the story, right? And I don't know what it, and it could be, actually, what it could be is that I loved all of the side characters in her stories. Yeah. And I think um, maybe with that, too, is that some of the side characters, like, branched off enough that they kind of got their own series mm -hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes. Like, or at least, like, two books dedicated to them, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so... I think I've only gotten to the fourth book in this series, though. The fourth book is Dimitri's book, and I didn't, I hadn't read past that one. There were other things that I wanted to read, but I, I mean, I'm interested in pursuing the other books. What and what's great about this is, so you had gone through um, before we started the reread on this one, I think, and figured out which other books featured Raphael and Elena. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of them. Like, there's a bunch of books in this series, but a lot of them go back to the the stories of the main characters. So. Yeah. And I appreciate that. So did you enjoy this reread? I did. In fact, I forgot to take notes. I got so into it at one point that I just like was like reading the book and I had to go back and be like, oh, right. I'm doing the plot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be taking notes. Yeah. So yeah, I got super into it. Um, I loved it on the reread. I read it so long ago that I forgot a lot of it. Uh, the main character in this story is fantastic. Elena. Mm -hmm. She's super cool. I want to be like her. Just like casually hunting vampires and kicking butt and being amazing and like cocky, I guess. <laughs> what did it, is it just confident? She's just very confident in her abilities. Um, Maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know that I would call her cocky now that I've said that. I think she's just a confident, empowered vampire hunter. Um, I really like her character. Although there were times I felt like, because I didn't feel like this was cocky. It was more like um, just she didn't stop talking and couldn't like yeah. control her. Like an impaired ability to self-preserve. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so she definitely, at times I was like, stop, you're going to get yourself killed. And then also at one point they called her a slayer and I was just like, well, she's Buffy. Yeah, I kind of got that. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. Mm -hmm. If that's what my mind superimposed on her. Um, I think at one point, What's his name? Raphael even says, like, your mouth is going to get you killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, he also says something about, like, I want to see your mouth do other things. I know. Ooh, <laughs> sir. Mm -hmm. Sir. Uh, she's super capable. 
And I, I imagine that's probably where some of her confidence comes from. Cause she certainly didn't get it from her family being supportive of her. Um, but she's just very like, I don't, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to push back against you, even if it's not in my best interest. And like, she doesn't like, she recognizes the authority of the archangel of Raphael, but that doesn't really seem to impede her like at all, almost to the point of her being endangered. But at the same time, I mean, I just love how like kick-ass she is. So and she has a reputation too. She, she's summoned for a meeting with Raphael and she shows up and his secretary, who's a vampire was like, I thought you'd be scarier. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I, I like that the vampires even have that idea that she's kind of intimidating. Like this, this lady's not to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. And then also later on, so she, she punches Raphael and then like runs away and Dimitri is chasing her and threatening to bite her like down the streets of Manhattan. And she's like hard pass. And she slits his throat and runs away. <laughs> that is so metal. <laughs> I know. She's like, it's not going to kill him. He'll be fine. It just gives me a head start. Like, ma'am. Ah, oh, poetic right there. That was good. Yeah, I loved that. Dimitri's kind of a jerk in this book. Yeah. Did not appreciate or enjoy him. No, but he was also like kinky. And I feel like one of the reasons that I was disappointed in his book was that it was really him just being angry about having feelings and then feeling okay with finally feeling okay with having feelings when he finds out the woman is just his reincarnated wife. Yeah. And there was no kinky anything in it. Yeah. Dimitri is certainly very broody. I feel like with, so Elena talks a lot about his smell and his ability. And that's one of his abilities is that he can like seduce people with smells, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we know how impactful, how strong that, that sense is and eliciting memories and emotion and things like that. So it's, that's an interesting ability to have. And so she talks anytime that she's interacting with him about his scent and how he's like trying to seduce her with just a smell. Um, and so I think, and he's sexy. I think she, at one point she just calls him gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't, with the way that he is described, you expect more from his book, I guess. And I don't know that the the trope with the man who's mad about half his feel, having feelings i'm just a little bit over like if the man is emotionally like inept and just doesn't kind of like Raphael. so Raphael in this book he's like i don't have feelings i'm an archangel and then he's like oh gosh i have feelings yes that's funny that's like a that's what funny is this, this is not weird. like yeah I'm this is new for me he's not mad or upset about having feelings it's just like what a novel experience this is I am having feelings he doesn't punish Elena for having those feelings mm-hmm. whereas Dimitri's like uh I'll only ever love my dead wife uh and my dead wife is dead uh and I don't want to feel things the right yeah I'm over that. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's where some of the dislike, but also at one point, Dimitri says something like, I miss the days when women knew their place. And it was like with their legs spread on their back. And I was immediately done. Pass. I'm done with you, sir. <laughs> yeah. I'm done with you, sir. Meanwhile, Raphael is over here like, yeah, I need Elena. She's just a hunter. She has super smell. She can find Urim, Urim for me. And that's all. I just need her because of her hunting abilities. But then at the same time, I mean, they've known each other for maybe two days and he's sending her a diamond rose Mm -hmm. that is the size of her hand. That's a giant diamond rose. Yes. And then the courier, (laughs) like in the mail, she gets a tube with a diamond in it. (laughs) Yes. And then I love how he's like, I never felt the like, urge to do that before he's like that's weird I wonder why (laughs) it's like think a little bit more on it yeah let's dig into those those she returns it she returns it to him Elena Elena shows up and she says I can't accept this and just leaves it with him and he picks it up and he's like huh why did I do that (laughs) (laughs) there's no like uh, explanation or follow-up on that she gives it back and he's like huh where did this even come from (laughs) okay um okay yes he's he's fine you're just starting from the bottom emotionally here that's all right at least he's open to it Mm mm-hmm and I it's like cute. <laughs> it is it's cute and he has some point there's some point where he's like thinking about her and like begging and then he was like I don't want her to beg like I want her fire and yeah. I'm like and then it like stops him and he's like that's weird why don't I want that yeah and then later on it's like oh I don't want her to die huh. yes why does it hurt me to think about her dying? Yeah. And it's what like a twist. <laughs> and then it's like at the very end of the book when he's like, says that her life means more to him than his. Mm-hmm. Like he finally, like he like realizes it. But I love the whole like her turning him a little bit mortal thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I thought it was also interesting. So Lujuan tells him, explains why because he she shoots him and he doesn't start healing immediately right. it's like he loses a lot of blood so he goes and he talks to Lijuan to try to understand why and Lijuan is like well she's making you a little bit mortal you should kill her mm-hmm. I like that that's it that's the next action oh she's weakening you kill her okay and he's he really I like he considers it it's like yeah I don't want to do that though is it that bad to be a little bit more, a little bit mortal? So I think that that's interesting. And I think that that's something that separates him from the other archangels, except may, like they all seem pretty terrible, except maybe Elijah. And so, and I feel like this is something that we have talked about before when it comes to people who have immortality mm-hmm. is that they, they develop on we, right? The burden of living forever. Um, they get bored and then they get bored and they start doing terrible things like torturing people and they have a complete lack of humanity. And so 
I forget how old Raphael is. He's like a century. No, no, he's couple, older than a that. thousand years old. A yeah, millennia, the millennia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's real old. <clears throat> and so I like that. You know, it's been a thousand years, and he's finally like, oh, maybe it's okay to have a little bit of mortality within me. It reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Matthew from A Discovery of Witches. Yeah, I had that thought too. Yep. Yep. I had that thought too. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, going, going back a little bit, but in the beginning of the book, like the first time, like the opening scene where she's hunting this vampire, right. She mentions that like, they're basically slaves and she sometimes feels bad for them, but then she's like, oh, they signed a contract. So they knew what would happen. And I kind of feel like I have mixed feelings about this because okay. like, on one hand, yes, they did sign a contract. They did know what they were signing up for but they don't deserve to be treated as cruelly as they are by most of them. Right. And, but on the other hand, I also understand why they would want to keep them around for a while while they learned how to be vampires because mm -hmm. they're really like volatile, I guess, during the first like couple of decades, I think of being vampires. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm slavery is not cool. Um, so yeah is I it had... slavery or right, is it they... like contract work it's like right. as an employee you may sign a, a contract with your employer where you agree to work for a certain amount of time if they will provide you these set benefits mm -hmm. but breaking that contract doesn't always mean like death or recapture and also like with regular work and regular contracts they tend to have mutual things in there like okay you'll be contracted to do x y and z and in return i won't torture you or force right. you to do anything immoral mm -hmm. you know so yes that's true but what I would guess is these vampires into in enter into these contracts with the people that make them with the understanding of the things that they will have to do as part of that contract. And so that involves recognizing that, Hey, you might get tortured. Some could you still choose to not become a vampire with that in mind? I don't know. I feel like that's not something like if you, yeah, I don't, that part I'm not sure about. Um, Moral but also in real world, like when you enter into a contract with an employer, you're not having this life altering procedure done where you can potentially live for thousands of years. Right. So, but, mm -hmm. and that life altering change doesn't endanger the population at large. Yes. But also what happens to somebody after they've been tortured for like a hundred years by an angel, they're not going to be happy after that. Like it's going to have way longer. And now they're stuck being alive with all of this trauma from having to work for this angel. Maybe, but like Dimitri was tortured for a hundred or so years and he turned out. Okay. He's just a prick. And <laughs> then maybe he didn't turn out. Okay. <laughs> He does a very good job for Raphael. So, okay. He's a good employee. 
Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem I mean, like it's not an ideal situation, but yeah. you get to choose to become a vampire. I yes. feel like if you're walking into that situation, you're acknowledging like, okay, I have to do these certain things. If I breach my contract, then these certain things could possibly happen to me. And then if you make the choice to breach your contract, then you have to acknowledge like, oh, I may be buried for 10 years. I wonder if they also, though, they do psych evals on them too before they change them because mm-hmm. that was mentioned later on that like somebody tricked them and he ended up being like a crazy murderer vampire. Oh yeah, Slater Patalis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Elena's also very judgy of vampires and those who date vampires. Like I think she calls them blood whores. Yeah, she is pretty judgy. Why is yeah. that? I don't know. I wonder if that's just because of her job. Maybe she's jaded a little bit because I think she's seen some things. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But like she is a little bit judgy. Yeah. I wonder if some of that is bias carried over from her childhood, though. That's true. Because her dad is certainly very judgy and he completely rejected her and disowned her for being a vampire hunter and having special abilities. Yeah. So she probably has some blame towards them for that too. She probably blames them. Yeah. For that. I mean, it just kind of sounds like her father was a shithead in general, though. Yeah, I think he probably was. And also, some of that could be maybe just some repression that she has. So we don't get the impression from this book that she's done a whole lot of sexual exploration. And so maybe some of that is just not recognizing that you can just enjoy pleasure for the sake of enjoying pleasure that's true she is like made fun of at the guild for not engaging in like wild sex yeah so so maybe some of it comes from that too so we've seen vampires and angels and books together before lexi foss has a series it's i think it's the blood blood laws or blood vows something series that has seraphim and vampires in the same well kind of vamp they're not they're not called vampires right but they are vampires yes they don't like being vampires other thing yeah 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 Mm -hmm. they're they're vampires basically uh and so we've seen that before I'm not sure why it just seems like a weird pairing to me. I don't know if it's just because typically when you think of, I think of contrasts when I think of pairing things. So angels and demons, not angels and vampires. And this is something that's different from maybe the pairings with vampires and angels that we've seen before. The vampires come from the angels. The angels create them. Yes, that is super different from any other like but because vampires are normally made by like other vampires and I'm trying to remember like how it how vampirism all started like in terms of canon like I guess it's supposed to go back to like Vlad the Impaler and Dracula yeah so having the angels be making vampires but vampires also aren't inherently evil in this it's not like they lose their soul or anything whereas typically we see one of the main things about vampires being like these really bloodthirsty awful creatures mm-hmm. who roam the night you know soulless sort of thing looking for victims yeah yes 
no, these vampires are business people. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And they can have children and they can go out in the daylight. If they just happen to live a really long time and they have to drink blood. It reminds me more of true blood mm-hmm. than like a regular sort of vampire story in terms of how they all interact. Right. So a lot of times when we see angels in books, they suck. Yeah, pretty much always. Always. And really, it's just the archangels that suck in this book. Mm. Yeah. Except Elijah and maybe Raphael on a good day. Yeah. Ilium, though, Ilium was a dream. Just precious. Yes, he's adorable. I kind of see him as being the golden retriever of the seven, Mm -hmm. you know? But also, did you know the most recent book that came out was him and a guy? (gasps) I didn't. Ooh. Now I'm like, I want to read that. I want to read that. Yeah. It's like Archangel's Light, maybe. I don't know. It's him and Adaham. Do you remember him? No. There's more of him in the other books. Um, Okay. I just remember the name. I don't remember much about him. But yeah, apparently it's those two. Okay. Yeah, I want to read it. Yeah, right? Gotta read it. I'm gonna read it. Yeah. Yeah, I like Ilium. And he's Mm -hmm. like the favorite of the angels among the people of Manhattan too. Uh, Raphael talks about him being very personable and everyone loving him and his Mm -hmm. blue wings. And he's just Mm -hmm. the favorite. Yes. And he like drops feathers for people at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. I love there's a scene where she gets one of his feathers and weaves it into her hair and Raphael sees it and is just like, no, <laughs> yeah. can't have that. Yeah. But Ilium's, what's his, his nickname is a uh, bluebell. Bluebell. Yeah. Cute. It is cute. I, like I also him. like that the, uh, the vampire hunters and the vampires have a mostly like, and the angels have a mostly amicable relationship. Mm-hmm. And they contract out the hunters to find their missing or rogue vampires. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like for the most part, there's not a ton of like conflict and in, interpersonal like conflict going on there sort of mm-hmm. between all the people. It's just kind of like regular society where it's like, okay, the bad ones need to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, this gives like, CSI or Law and Order meets Angels and Vampires vibes. Yes. CSI, Angels. <laughs> I mean, they have like CSI everything else. Why not? CSI, Seraphim. <laughs> there you That's go. Better. Yeah. Got our title. I wrote it. Somebody write the plot. <laughs> yep. DM, all rights reserved. I like that they just have this working relationship and they all kind of recognize like this is our, this is the role that we serve. Except the seraphim, or not the seraphim, the archangels. They suck, and I would not want to be governed by these people. No, well, some of them seem okay. Like Raphael seems Raphael's okay. probably okay. But like, and Urum. Elijah's probably okay. Michaela, pass. Lijuan, who is turning her dead people mm-hmm. into an undead, like groupies, mm, pass. I mean, it sounds like so Urum, like, made all of his constituents (laughs) fear him and worked off of that I feel like Michaela what does she do to make them fear her I feel like it's more like she just she's just very petty yeah so I mean you know you know what she makes me think of like the Greek gods who 
are like really vain like and we're like oh you're better than me at something so I'm gonna turn you into like Aphrodite is that yeah yeah I kind of got that vibe from her especially because she is supposed to be like super pretty and all of that she's gorgeous so Mm -hmm. she likes animals more than people though I can get on board with that that's relatable Mm -hmm. we see a little bit of Elena's family in this yeah they're trash they are they are trash all of them people Mm -hmm. yeah even her sister sucks manipulative Mm -hmm. yep her dad super hateful continues to i mean disowned her for who she was born as right um and then her sister's real manipulative her brother-in-law also very manipulative they try to shame for shame her for her job Uh, obviously it's based on what the story says at one point elena had to bring her brother-in-law like in apparently he broke his contract and he's not any worse for the war the wear it doesn't sound like right but they are upset with her for that even though she saved his life basically because he would have been killed if she hadn't i mean i just don't like them yes i also dislike there's no so we don't get a totally clear image of what happened to because she had other sisters and she had a mother oh yeah so we know by the end of the book we know an angel killed them yes that's what we know there's a whole lot of foreshadowing yes um so that happens and nobody else seems to really care i feel like yeah so Um, she has two older sisters i think that are mm -hmm. dead her mom is also dead Mm-hmm. yeah and so her brother-in-law right okay so first off her father like calls her in at one point and is like oh I've noticed you've been hanging around angels like now you have connections want to be part of the family again mm-hmm. sort of thing which trash mm-hmm. but also it's interesting so her brother-in-law right is a vampire and he didn't wait to find out if his wife or her sister was compatible mm-hmm. or could be made right and it turns out she can't be and so she has this interesting conversation with Raphael about it and he goes well you know what he didn't wait to find out how much could he like mm-hmm. love her you know because she's like he'll have to spend eternity without somebody that he loves and he's like I mean he could have waited Hmm. I got frustrated, I guess, um, because despite how badly they treat her, Elena keeps going back. I know she has this weird like, but they're my family. Mm-hmm. Like I'm protected of them. I think she calls them and it's like warns them, you know, mm-hmm. about Urim and stuff, and they're just rude to her about it. Yeah. Like, I probably, if my family treated me that way, I'd probably be like, "Mm, sorry, my phone's dead. I can't call you. Yeah. I mean, to that, I say you should go to therapy, not Mm. to you, to no, I know Elena, because like, Mm. these are conversations that I have with my therapist. So it's hard for me to read stories like that, where they're treated so poorly by their family. 
but they keep going back like ma'am there there's therapy for this even Raphael's like why do you do this they're not mm -hmm. ever going to be loyal to you yeah oh because they're my family like that doesn't fly with me anymore so we talked a little bit about Raphael and his poor understanding of his feelings and stuff mm -hmm. and it happens twice in this book probably you know where he's like surprised that he kind of lost um control so the first one he unintentionally um I guess like commands like uses his mind to have Elena kiss him right mm -hmm. and he's super super freaked out by it because he like never lost control about that before and um Elena makes this really good point about how he took something instead of waiting for something that she probably would have eventually willingly given him. Mm -hmm. And he's just horrified in what he's done. He's worried that he's the next one to degenerate, you know, and mm -hmm. around this, especially because his mom wasn't a nice person. She yeah. like crushed his wings and stuff or uh, anyway. Yeah, more foreshadowing there that we don't really understand. But she, what what it sounds like is that she was on the brink of what is also happening with your Urum, mm -hmm. where they're going insane. Yeah. Um. So that that sucked, and I felt I felt bad for her. I felt kind of bad for him because he was so like horrified, like oh my god um and but the next time he kind of loses control at least is funny it's the first time they have sex and when she wakes up she is absolutely covered in angel dust mm -hmm. and like she can't get it off like for the most part like so he had given it to her before it's her special blend right and it's like this aphrodisiac sort of thing you know and he he's she's like why did you do this and he goes um it wasn't on purpose <laughs> <laughs> and the way I see it is like it's him like marking his territory and stuff being mm -hmm. fine and I mean that's probably one of the best ways to like do it I guess you know it's not gross you're all sparkly mm -hmm. right there's no biting it tastes good it tastes good and you're sparkly like and yeah. since sticks on you right or I guess it's not sticky but since it's like embedded kind of in you you're not leaving glitter everywhere you're just kind of shiny I feel like you know like a Cullen oh god <laughs> yeah I guess maybe that's where they got the idea from their little flirty interactions are really cute I wanted more of the sexy times from this story and I think I think we actually get them if I'm remembering correctly. I think the books that follow this one are a little bit more detailed in the sexy times. Well, I 100% am planning on reading them this week. Oh, okay, great. So you can so I'll keep us. you. I will keep you updated. Keep us informed yes. of the quantity and the quality of the sexy situations okay yeah um but what we did have mm -hmm. was good it was more of a I, i'd say probably more of a slow burn i don't mm -hmm. know um they 
the sex screen, the sex scenes that we do have are not very descriptive and I'm all about the details in that situation, yeah. but the buildup is good. He's very possessive. Um, at one point they're hate flirting in the beginning and he sucks her finger into his mouth, which is gross because hands are filthy and that's disgusting, but also it was really hot. Like this mm-hmm. only works in fiction, but he did that. And I was like, mm, sir, I felt like their buildup was, was solid to it. Like flirty touches, you know, mm-hmm. he's definitely, um, oh, I, it's in here somewhere. Oh yes. So at one point he says, if I licked you between your thighs, you would, your taste would have the same aphrodisiac effect on me. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. They have we have a couple of like moments where we get teased, so they're kissing and then they get interrupted by things. And so by the time they do finally have sex, it's like yes, thank gosh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but it just didn't end up being very descriptive. And at one point they take a bath together and it's like a pool-sized bathtub. Mm-hmm. And they don't have sex in it, which is a shame because one of the limitations to bathtub sex is the size. It's a small space. There's finally one big enough to do it and they don't. Maybe in one of the other books they will. Maybe so. Take advantage of that big bathtub. Yeah. Also, I love how possessive he is. So at one point, well, it's while they're having sex. Leading up to the, th- this, they're talking about the rules. So he's like, well, you can't have sex with other people. And she's like, well, if I can't, you can't either. Okay, doing a solid there. And then while he is penetrating her, he says, if you take another lover, Elena, what I do to him will be a nightmare etched in human memory. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. This level of possession does not work in the human world. But in this book, it got me hot to trot, sir. (laughs) Yes. I know the actual like sex scene was like, I had to go back and like reread. It's like a sentence. Yeah. Their coupling was hot and hard and fast. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can it be hot and hard and fast and detailed? Right. Um, I did like that they, there was a lot of, I mean, not a ton, but one of my things that I love so much about wings is that like, they're always, oh, it's so sensitive. It's, you know, like mm-hmm. touch them. There was a decent amount of that in this, I felt like. Yeah. Um, so I liked that. I love the description of all of their wings. They're also different. So, they are. Yeah. Ilium's is, is blue with like silver tips on it. Um, I really like how it grew back. So Raphael's like, so they grow back differently and everything. So when... Um, Elena shoots him and shreds his wings. It grows back with like that pattern in it um, of the the gun. So he's yeah. always going to have that with him. And he does make this really sweet remark of like, oh, well, I'll always have like a memory of my like, hunter or something like that. Um, which was like, oh, yeah. Oh, um, and Urum has gray wings. I don't remember what Michaela's were. Yeah, I don't either. But when she was skipping ahead a little bit. So her Elena's wings end up being, they're described as like sunset, but also like black and blue and stuff. So I have a really hard time picturing hers. Um, so I looked up fan art for it and it's like black with purple. Oh, 
Yeah. The end of this book felt like an action movie. It did. Yes. There's a lot happening. Yes, there was. They are doing their like investigatory thing because they've just had their interaction and Urim has escaped and they got a call from Sarah who's like, yeah, they just found five dead bodies in the park. What are you doing? And so he tries to like connect. Uh, Raphael tries to connect with Ilium and he can't get a hold of him. And he tries to contact Sarah and it's like, there's no mind connection there. She's not answering. And so he's thinking, oh no, this is bad. And it is. So um, she has been captured by Urim and Iliam has been injured. His body's just hanging out in the Hudson and uh, it's bad news bears for our friends. And so mm-hmm. she wakes up and Urim has her captured and tied up and he breaks her ankle and starts doing like the threatening stuff and basically talking about how she's just a pawn and he's trying to lure Raphael into this warehouse so he can kill him. And Raphael shows up and he's like, bam, I'm present. And he started, they have this aerial fight thing, right? So this mm-hmm. is our superhero moment in the movie they're in the air they're shooting the bolts of energy at each other like blah 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 and elena the poor hobbled girl with the broken ankle is just like trying to get to the highest point that she can so that she can help out and so she gets to the top of the building and she shoots him in the wing and it disables him enough that Raphael, who is very injured at this point, can plunge his hand into Urim's heart and pull it out and then fill his body with angel fire, which is the only way to kill an archangel. Yep. And again, superhero moment, movie moment. He says, goodbye, my friends. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> and he's engulfed in flames. Meanwhile, Elena, who was on top of this building that got hit by bolts of energy and collapsed, is now like just full body fractured on top of a neon sign. And Raphael, who is pretty severely injured at this point, too, he goes down and he's like, no, I told you that you have to live. And she's like, well, I must be absolutely crazy because I love you. (laughs) Uh-huh. And like, plus her body is broken in like all of these everywhere <laughs> blood. Like there is not like, and he's like, don't, you can't die. And it's like, I think like at this point it might be better for her to die because you don't come back from like, that no. seems like a horrible recovery to have. No, no. And so he tells her as she's dying, he's telling, they're communicating via, you know, mind speak because she's incapable of talking anymore. And so they're communicating via mind speak and she tells, he tells her how, like why they make vampires and how they get made and how they choose um, who to make. The sign that she's on collapses and he wraps her up in his wings and they fall. And he says, if this is death guild hunter, then I will see you on the other side. My gosh, it's just such a dramatic moment. They're both dying, right? But they don't like, oh, what happens? So I love that it turns out. So she ends up sleeping for a whole year 
sleeping night coma right she ends up like for a whole year while she recovers and she wakes up and she's like oh my god I'm like crushing an angel because there are wings beneath her Mm -hmm. and they're her wings it turns out she was somehow changed into an angel and she asks how that's possible and Raphael I feel like is kind of like um well you know what ambrosia is Sometimes when an archangel falls in love, (laughs) (laughs) like I kind of felt like that's what the conversation was. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I love that. What I really like about that scene is that she has been sleeping for a year and he wakes her up by talking into her mind. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he, he kind of like tries to goad her into waking up and she wakes up and she's like, what's it been like a day, a week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really cute. And she, so their conversation as she's waking up is adorable. She says, if I have to drink blood, I'm going to suck your gorgeous body dry. He says, you're very welcome to suck any part of my body you wish. (laughs) And then she starts making demands because she's like, all right, if I am a vampire, I'm not doing any vampire lackey stuff and I'm only drinking your blood Mm. and you better not ditch me for some other woman. (laughs) Yes. Like, all right, you you got it. (laughs) And of course, her poor friends, Sarah and the guy whose name is Ransom. Ransom, is that his name? I can't remember his name. He was not news whatever to me um (laughs) it didn't really stick out so they haven't seen her for a year and sarah's like convinced that she's basically dead and hiding they're hiding her away or just lying that's like they're hiding her lying and so she finally they see and she's like oh my god yeah you're alive and it's like look at your wings this is so cool and i'm so happy for elena because she wanted wings and she wanted to be able to fly anyway all right then do we want to do our quotes sure yeah so my favorite quote is said by Raphael to Dimitri about Elena so he says when you've lived as long as I have you learn to appreciate new sensations They are rare and an immortal's life. And I really like this for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, again, just because we've talked about kind of the ennui that comes with immortality. Um, And so I like that even though he's like a thousand years old, he can still appreciate new things. Mm -hmm. But I also think that this is like a great reminder that you don't have to be thousands of years old just to appreciate small things in the moment, right? Yes, definitely. So I like that one. And then apologies, I did steal part of your, I didn't mean to steal it. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> I know. see it, but it's still a good quote. So what's yours? <laughs> so this is when um, Raphael and Elena are like plummeting to their death and dying. Um, he says, if this is death, Guild Hunter, he thought to his mortal as angel fire scored through his bones and touched his heart then i will see you on the other side it's just like it's sweet 
and dramatic. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love, you know, this dramatic declaration of yes, love? Sort of I mean, thing. you just don't get dramatic love dec- declarations these days, right? Mm-hmm. No. There's no like fiery looming death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Bummer. But I know, right? What a tragedy. Oh. What a tragedy. Yeah. No, I love it. We did go from like employee to let's die together very rapidly. Yes. But a lot of things happened in between for them to bond over. They they did. Yes, you're right. And it wasn't an instant like, oh, I love you. It was like, a, yeah, I still don't really like or trust you for a while. So like they both, it felt like both parties were kind of resistant into moving and, and then they just did it. So thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.